When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. If these negotiations do not bear any fruit, the Senate will vote on gun safety legislation when we return. So we ought to do some enforcement laws we have in the books. Fight to this election like your life depends upon it. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. This is a classic example of taking advantage for political purposes. There was no productive discussion today. We now have more guns in the United States than we have citizens. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. A new lane opens for a possible compromise on guns. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics with news from the Capitol. And a grain of salt as Democrats and Republicans discuss solutions in the wake of the Texas shooting coming up. We will hear exclusively from Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland, and Matt Bennett from Third Way, an advisor for Sandy Hook Promise, who worked with then-Vice President Joe Biden in the wake of Newtown. Later, Secretary of State Antony Blinken takes aim at China today, vowing to steer around Beijing to shape the global order. We'll have his remarks direct shot at President Xi today with analysis from DJ Peterson of Longview Global Advisors. The Sound On panel is in place. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis for the hour. It's still hard to tell 48 hours later if the Texas school shooting will move lawmakers in Washington to do something. But there is talk. There's talk balanced by a lot of skepticism today. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer speaking to a very short window of opportunity. Senator Murphy who has been such a strong and valiant leader within our caucus on gun safety legislation and who has seen the suffering firsthand of the families at Sandy Hook, who he's become very close to, has asked for space to see what progress can be done with Senate Republicans. But it does not sound like Schumer plans to give Senator Murphy very long. I want to be clear. This is not an invite to negotiate indefinitely. Make no mistake about it. If these negotiations do not bear fruit in a short period of time, the Senate will vote on gun legislation, gun safety legislation. Let me repeat, if these negotiations do not bear any fruit, 
the Senate will vote on gun safety legislation when we return. Okay, so a couple of weeks, possibly a few weeks. Democrats may have just found a partner in Senator John Cornyn. This is important. The Republican senator from Texas today on the floor. I'm not interested in making a political statement. I'm not interested in the same old tired talking points. I'm actually interested in what we can do to make the terrible events that occurred in Uvalde less likely in the future. And now we don't know everything we need to know. But once we do, I expect there will be an informed debate about reforms we can make. And I look forward to participating in those discussions. Cornyn warning against taking gun rights from law-abiding citizens. He seems open to red flag laws, maybe some other ideas to keep guns out of the hands of dangerous people. Senator Murphy, meantime, was outside along with several other senators gathered along with gun safety advocates while facing the Supreme Court to press for action. He says a compromise must be found by the time the Senate returns from a week-long recess starting Friday. I spoke a short time ago exclusively with Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland, and asked him if there was indeed a new sense of optimism. Here he is. We just shocked by what happened in Texas. Uh, It it just ripped your heart. Uh, uh, Seven and ten-year-olds losing their life. Uh, Enough's enough. We've got to act. We've got to come together. So I think Senator Schumer is doing exactly the right thing and saying to our colleagues, let us come together, let's put together a bipartisan bill, and let's get it done. Um, I am certain that it will not satisfy what I would like to see done. Let's show the, the American public that we are not going to take the option of doing nothing, which is unacceptable. There are uh, There's a conversation underway right now about background checks and about red flag laws as opposed to actually trying to crack down on, on firearms. Is that the right approach? What I'd like to see done is certainly close the loopholes in the background check. Red flags are, are, are consistent with that. We need to deal with the military-style uh, and high-capacity uh, magazines that are out there that are, are the uh, weapon of choice for those who want to commit mass murders. So I, I would hope that we would also be able to make progress on dealing with weapons that really have no private uh, use. These are really just weapons of war. Yeah. Getting that done in the Senate, though, is the problem, right? Finding 60 votes for, for instance, an assault weapons ban at the moment seems impossible. I am not optimistic we can get the 60 vote threshold for for assault weapons. But I will point out, the last time that we deployed that, we saved lives. Uh, approximately one out of every four uh, persons have been killed in these mass shootings has been through an assault weapon type. So it will save lives, and there is no real need for private ownership. So I don't believe we can get it done, but it is consequential, and we should get it done. How about the age to buy a weapon, Senator? A lot of people are, are pointing out the fact, they keep hearing about how this 18-year-old should never been able to do this, that you can't rent a car when you're 18 years old, would it be that difficult to raise the age to 21, even if nothing changed in terms of access at that point? That's a point that we really should be considering. I think uh, our healthcare professionals would tell us that 18 year olds are still at that state where their judgments may not be where we want them to be and having uh, the easiest ability to buy um, a firearm. So at this stage, uh, Difficult for us to get such consensus here, but to me that is a matter that should be considered, and I personally believe we should raise the age. 
What's your message to your colleagues who are going to be speaking at the NRA convention, Senator? I would tell them that I'm not sure this is the right moment. Uh, if, if they're going to talk about getting things done for gun safety, that's one thing. But uh, if they're going to talk about the NRA and their historic positions, uh, this would be the wrong time for that message. Do you have hope for the Manchin-Toomey amendment? Are there any pieces of legislation available right now that you would put your name on? Well, I would put my name on several pieces of legislation. I don't think that's going to be the test. I would certainly support any effort that would advance gun safety in this country and be proud to co-sponsor and support that legislation. If it doesn't go far enough to really make a significant difference in regards to the easy accessibility of military-style weapons and uh, the uh, people who are not responsible being able to get guns. But I'm going to continue to voice my frustration, but I would certainly support efforts that move us in the right direction. Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland, Democrat, expressing urgency and skepticism. And we add another voice now in Matt Bennett, the co-founder of Third Way. He serves on the board at Sandy Hook Promise. And importantly, he advised Joe Biden when he was vice president in the aftermath of Newtown, when Joe Biden was drawing up options, as asked, options beyond legislation for President Obama to pursue at the time. Matt, welcome. What executive options does President Biden have? Not very many. Uh, we found that when we were working back in 2013 and we were uncovering every rock in the federal code to try to figure out what the president could do on his own authority to make you know, some progress in gun safety. And there were a few things he could do. And there's some things that President Biden has done as president involving ghost guns. The, the thing that most uh, gun safety advocates are focused on now is expanding the definition of what it means to be in the business of selling firearms. Because mm -hmm. if you can do that, you can sweep into the background check process uh, more people who now are pretending that they're not licensed dealers and really are. That would help a little, but it, you really can't do that much. You also can't get the votes for a bill like that. We spoke yesterday with uh, Congressman Thompson, a, a Democrat from California, with a background check bill that passed the House and apparently doesn't have a prayer in the Senate. Matt, based on what you're hearing today, is, is there is there any opportunity for conversation or is, is this the happy talk portion of the program before we all know how it ends in the last chapter? Well, uh, the bitter experience of 28 years of no progress since uh, the 1994 assault weapons ban would suggest that this is happy talk. Uh, but I don't want to take off the table the possibility that senators like Corn Cornyn are, are genuine and do want to do something. Mm -hmm. um, a red flag law would help, uh, certainly raising the age to buy uh, well, assault rifles and other rifles would help. Uh, but the really big deal would be closing the loopholes in the background check system that allow people to buy guns on, uh, off the Internet or at gun shows without going through background checks. And that's just insane. We have got to yeah. plug that. that Wouldn't have stopped this one, though, right? It would not have stopped this one. That's right. He, he went through a background check. The thing that would have stopped him was raising the age to 21. Right. So I just asked Senator Ben Cardin about that. Yeah, that that's not going to happen by executive order. That, that actually no. takes 60 votes, and that, that's a long shot, right? Correct. You can't do that by executive order. There's very little left on the table for the president to do on his own authority. Most what if Democrats the came to the table and said, 
got you could be able to get as many AR-15s as you want. This is not about gun control. We're simply raising the age, Matt. Is that still too far? Apparently. I mean, it shouldn't be. The fact is that kid couldn't have gone down to the 7-Eleven and bought a white claw or a beer, but he could go and buy two assault rifles and 350 rounds of ammunition. That is insane. And any anyone who tries to defend it is going to have a tough time with it. But uh, alas, Republicans seem unwilling to go there. Fascinating conversation when you explore how little actually this president has uh, to deal with here in terms of tools. Uh, Matt, you know Joe Biden having worked with him. This could be a long year for him. What, what's it going to mean for his presidency as we work up to the midterm elections? I only have 30 seconds. Look, he feels about this uh, with he approaches this issue with as much passion as any. He's been working on gun safety for 30 years. He has lost two children, not to gun violence, but he knows the pain. So he's he's up to this fight. Yes. and, And he knows these families. He's desperately hoping to make progress on this, but also very. Uh, aware of how tough that's going to be. Come back and talk to us, Matt Bennett on Bloomberg. The panel's next. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Grasping for some common ground, as I read on the terminal, gun school safety talks in the Senate on a short timetable. They sure are. Grasping for common ground sounded like that at times today, other times not, as political lines are reinforced on the issue of guns. I mentioned a little while ago, Chris Murphy, the senator from Connecticut, he's been getting a lot of attention on this. Because of, of course, Connecticut, Newtown, Sandy Hook. And he's been a leader on this issue without a heck of a lot to show for it. He was outside, outside the Capitol complex today, 
along with a group of other senators, Kirsten Gillibrand was there, Ed Markey, Sheldon Whitehouse, to press the issue. We are not going to allow this to become the new normal. We are not prepared to allow our schools to continue as killing fields. We are not prepared to allow the gun lobby and the gun industry to continue to run this town and this place. But what are you going to do? It seems like red flag is where we're going here. Red flag laws, keeping guns out of the hands of dangerous people, as we just discussed with Senator Ben Cardin. John Cornyn today, the Republican from Texas, who said he might be ready to have some of these conversations, though, said it himself. No panacea. And it wouldn't have stopped, at least as far as we know, what happened this week in Texas. Let's assemble the panel. Rick and Jeannie are with us, I'm happy to say. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. What do you make of this, uh, Jeannie? This is, is, as I asked Matt a little while ago, is this, you know, the happy part of the show? This is the part of the movie where people start to feel good. You might go get a little more popcorn. By the time you come back, we're back in the dark stuff. And it ends just like the one before. Sad ending. Nothing changes. That's how it's feeling. And I'm still reeling from your interview with both Cardin and Matt Bennett, because, you know, Matt Bennett just saying at the end the truth, which is that you can't at, at the age of this shooter go buy a, a white claw at a 7-Eleven, but you can buy two assault weapons. That is stunning. And the fact that we have to push and push and push after every one of these events to see if we can get anywhere. And I think you're right. We may get expanded background checks. We may get the red and yellow flag laws. That, that, That would be great. That's a step forward, maybe a little step forward. But you know, we're not gonna get the age changed, it looks like. We're not gonna deal with military assault weapons. And those are the things that need to happen. And I go back to what President Biden said in his speech the other night, which is that these liberties that people are talking about, the right to bear arms, none of these liberties have been absolute. They never have been. You have no absolute right to own an assault weapon and no, no more than you have to go scream fire in a crowded theater. So there are there is constitutional ways to limit these these rights. And yet here we are again after this horrific shooting and looks like nothing's going to change in Congress. What do you make of the age issue uh, here, Rick? Is that not a conversation to have that 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 alone would have actually stopped you know maybe this from happening this week it would have at least gotten to this individual as an 18 year old yeah i think that 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 it's premature for us to say any of this stuff's off the table i think the key thing uh and the turning point on this discussion which is different than what happened in sandy hook and other mass shootings is is that democrats and republicans both took the moment to actually say that they were prepared to consider some options. In other words, there wasn't the kind of demagogic attacks that usually are precipitated by these kinds of events trying to take political advantage. And so I think this is the opening that a lot of people are now talking about. And and sure, I think people will have a conversation about the age issue uh, of owning a gun. And and, and it's impressive that so many people are raising it because it it is actually what would have as you say, stop the Uvalde uh, mm-hmm. killer, but but it wouldn't have stopped others. And so having a conversation like the Toomey Mansion bill from 2013 that, that Mitt Romney said today he wouldn't mind revisiting and, and these red flag laws, which everyone seems to be settling in on, like that's good incremental progress. 
I think we're going to have a moment in time where all these things can be brought up and, 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 and I think legitimately are going to be considered. It, it won't be uh, a free-for-all where everybody's going to love all these solutions, but, but cobbling together 60 votes around a bill that can do a lot of these things, uh, I think, uh, has some great potential. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't focus on what's not going to happen because nobody knows that until mm. the members get together. And, and I think the idea here is to, to you know, take a look at all the different things, uh, be creative, and make progress. Don't let this moment pass where nothing happens. Yeah. And I think that's what everybody is, is saying. I'm struck which is by your optimism, Rick. I have to admit this week, Jeannie, uh, is the word incremental that Rick just used the key here that that we we don't always need to overreach that? Yeah. OK, if you get a red flag law, maybe that leads to a conversation where something else can happen. You know, I hope Rick's optimism is right. You know me. I'm usually not optimistic about Congress by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, you know, uh, 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 God, forgive me on that. But as Matt said, 28 years later, there's a reason a lot of us are not optimistic. God willing, Rick is right. I do think incremental is better than nothing. I've always said that. But, you know, I don't in my personally believe that it's overreach to increase the age or to ban military assault style weapons. Mm -hmm. They done it before and it's been productive and it's been effective so i don't think it's overreach but to your point i think in this congress it probably won't happen and we will get incremental steps uh, god willing boy rick and Jeannie are with us for the hour our signature sound on panel as the secretary of state takes a shot across the bow President Xi, you've got to hear Anthony Blinken's words today. We're going to bring in DJ Peterson for more on this, and we'll check the markets next. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 1130 to Boston, Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. If you can't change Beijing, you work around Beijing. The spirit of a speech today by Anthony Blinken as the Secretary of State rolls out a new strategy to deal with China. We'll talk about it next with DJ Peterson of Longview Global Advisors. Some blunt talk today uh, by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken finally drops the China speech. This has been... Long anticipated. Of course, he got sick, had COVID. A lot of things happened. Today was the day. And as I read on the terminal, the top U.S. diplomats' comments were unusually direct. We will remain focused on the most serious long-term challenge to the international order, and that's posed by the People's Republic of China. Yeah. Went straight for President Xi. Took direct aim at Xi's performance, leading the world's second biggest economy. And there wasn't a lot new in the speech. New strategy to invest at home and better compete. But we've heard that before. It was more about how to deal with Beijing and that Beijing can go its own way if it wants to. We cannot rely on Beijing to change its trajectory. So we will shape the strategic environment around Beijing to advance our vision for an open, inclusive international system. Just go around them. The reaction uh, from the Chinese embassy in Washington, interesting, the spokesperson, it's never China's goal to surpass or replace the U.S. or engage in zero-sum competition with it. 
How about this? History and reality show that China and the U.S. both stand to gain from cooperation and lose from confrontation. A cooling effect from the embassy. Curious what D.J. Peterson makes of all of this. President of Longview Global Advisors, a geopolitical and political advisory firm, uh, an expert on China, former director for Eurasia Group and formerly a director for the Rand Corporation. It's great to have you back, DJ. Is this some sort of escalation coming from the White House here? Or are we letting Beijing know that, you know what, we're done with you? Hey, Joe, you know, I think it's he's trying to remind the world that America can walk and chew gum at the same time, that while so much attention is back on Europe, where we've been focused, obviously, for the last 50, 60, 70 years, Mm -hmm. um, he's trying to signal, and the president this past week also signaled that, no, we're really Pacific-oriented now, and that we are definitely still paying attention to China. And as he said, China is our number one long-term threat. And I agree with that statement, especially as we see kind of the long-term geopolitical decline of yeah. Russia. Yes, China is out there on top as our, as, as our, our leading uh, priority. Well, this is sort of a contrast, though, to President Biden, for instance, you know, talking with President Xi, trying to get on the same page. Hey, we're happy competitors. We're not uh, here for confrontation. This sounds like, OK, we're done trying to convince you. If you want to go hang out with Vladimir Putin, go ahead. But we have our own agenda for the Indo-Pacific, DJ. Yeah, it's I think the president is still very interested in having a construct constructive dialogue with Beijing. That doesn't go away. But Mm -hmm. I think what they're capitalizing on or seeking to seize right now is, frankly, Beijing's slightly tarnished image in the world. You know, for so long, they have been shaping the global environment through trade, through its uh, infrastructure development and lending programs. And what we see right now is that things aren't going all that great on a number of fronts. Economically, with COVID, there's more pushback you see in, in Asia. There's more concern. The Europeans are much more concerned about China. And their alignment with Russia in the Ukraine war has certainly dented their image. So I think what's very interesting right now is the secretary um, is trying to seize a little bit of initiative that China has lost. And China has been seeking to reshape the global environment. And they're basically just turning that word, those words back Mm -hmm. on China and saying, no, Mm -hmm. it's our turn to shape the environment again. Does this sound like an administration that's about to lift tariffs on Chinese imports? Not at all. Not at all. Um, Why open that door? Remember the president last week said, you know, when I get back, I'll talk to Janet Yellen about that. But uh, if if we're not going in that direction, why why float the, the carrot? Well, I think it's it's out there exactly as a carrot um, that he's saying that we are open to negotiations, but it's basically contingent on China, significant changes in China policy. Um, in China. And um, so it's he's signaling that we're not completely inflexible, that we're not locked into some uh, static mentality. Mm-hmm. But it's highly unlikely in this environment, especially as you see, for instance, the value of, of, of the Chinese currency going down. So in some ways, increasing the competitiveness of Chinese goods. Mm. Um, that it, it doesn't I just don't see the political interest, except in perhaps very very specific arenas 
to lift tariffs. Unless there was a real impact on domestic inflation, and some suggest there would be, uh, DJ, maybe a, a decoupling with Russia might be rewarded, however. Is that, is that your point by lifting some of these sanctions if they, if they stop fooling around with Vladimir Putin? Well, you know, I, I, I don't see it going that far. We've seen, obviously, tremendous inflationary pressures in the United States for yeah. a variety of reasons. But those inflationary pressures from China and tariffs occurred years ago. And so companies have adjusted. Consumers have adjusted to those mm. tariff-based price increases. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the ability that the desire to ease tariffs to address the inflationary period would only be at the margins and in certain arenas, especially arenas say where we're having severe supply chain disruptions. But I do not see a, a, a broad-based easing of the trade war with China. In fact, I could see it getting worse. We just imposed mm. sanctions on one of their um, their, their companies that that we import uh, surveillance cameras from. So mm-hmm. that's I, I see these tr- this trend of increasing restrictions in the near future. Well, this is something, and there could be some real disappointment there. Uh, when you hear the response that I mentioned from the embassy, uh, lastly here, DJ, what does that sound like to you? It's never China's goal to surpass or replace the U.S. or engage in zero-sum competition with it. Sounds like they want to be friends. Exactly. And it's you called out, I think, a really interesting tone here, which is less – at least this, this message was less yeah. confrontational. We've Which, of course, could be different right. tomorrow, right? This is like the manic relationship, I guess, that we have. DJ, thank you. Always wish we had more time with DJ Peterson. Longview Global Advisors will reassemble the panel next. Rick and Jeannie weigh in on China. News on Saudi Arabia as well. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. 
And to think President Biden and the First Lady are still unpacking from their trip to Asia. Anthony Blinken drops the speech today on China. With months, by the way, we should note this, having just talked to DJ Peterson about the China policy and the idea of, well, maybe someday lifting tariffs. Bloomberg now reporting that uh, after speaking with a top U.S. trade official, the administration's review of those tariffs, while it says he'll do that as soon as he's back, he's back now, is likely to take months. And the Secretary of State says the U.S. isn't looking to sever China from the global economy. This isn't Russia Part 2. Again, we're just going to work around them. If necessary, as we reassemble the panel, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are with us, Bloomberg Politics contributors. Uh, Do you like the sound of this approach, Rick? Does it sound like a new look here after the president's trip and meeting with the Quad? Well, it really is the first time we've heard of a strategy from the Biden administration on Asia. And I think it is a uh, refreshing new approach to what has been, you know, sort of a very bilateral approach to China. Uh, and what was the standard in the, the, the Trump administration was, you know, you sort of focused on economics and that's it, you know, and you punished them by tariffs and you, you rewarded them by other economic policies going in place that would benefit them. And, and that wasn't a particularly good way, I think, to, to look at China, although people were uh, pleased that at least he took a harder line than, than what was exab- examined in the, in the Obama administration. So, mm-hmm. so this is the first comprehensive look at that. And it definitely is like we're going to pursue our aims and our goals around the world. We're going to promote democracy. You know, we're going to promote human rights. We're going to promote institutions that help govern the economy and trade. And, and, and we don't expect China necessarily to abide by that, but we're going to yeah. do everything we can to force the rest of the yeah. world into it. And, and, and in that regard, the message is kind of, we're going to isolate you. But at the same time, Jeannie, we also really want to buy your stuff. That's right. We, we want to work with you. I think the watchword of the day in my mind is asymmetric. I mean, that is what we keep hearing. We did get hints of this strategy. There was a classified version of this, and this is a shorter version of that that came out last fall. And the Secretary of State reiterated that today. An asymmetrical playbook, an asymmetrical approach. You know, to me, this is important because, as Rick said, for a while during the campaign and after that, we kept asking, how does Biden's approach to China in particular differ from Trump's? And you couldn't really get a good sense of it. But we have it clearly from that uh, classified briefing or strategy and also from the words today. And to me, it's important. It seems to suggest that the United States, at least this administration, has decided that efforts at diplomacy and engagement, both economic and diplomatic, have largely failed. And so we are going to, to your, in your words, work around them. Hmm. But the question is, you know, it's not a Cold War. We still want to work with them. Well, what are the limits there? And that's yeah. what I didn't get a good sense of today from, uh-huh. you know, Blinken's speech is, you know, there's areas we want to work with them, climate, you know, trade, certainly other areas. But what are the limits? How can you freeze somebody or some entity out and yet work with them? How is that going to proceed? We don't have a good sense of that from this speech. (laughs) This is just days after the Taiwan flap with President Biden. Look, this is just remember this conversation. We're we're talking about it now because it's it's an important element of a much bigger story. And uh, the tentacles are long here. 
Just got a briefing at the White House in terms of geopolitics. This is another big story here. It turns out two of the president's senior advisors are on a secret trip to Saudi Arabia. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but it was acknowledged and confirmed today uh, by Karine Jean-Pierre, the new press secretary. You know, of course, we're looking for an increase in oil production around the world here. And well, Saudi Arabia appears to be the place uh, we have decided to go, at least as of now. Here's the press secretary. I will uh, confirm that Brett McGurk and Amos Hochstein were in the region uh, to follow up on conversations on a range of, range of issues, including Iran's uh, destabilizing activities, ensuring stable global energy supplies, and other regional is issues. On, on your question here. about oil, uh, to, you know, it's this trip is to review engagement with Saudi Arabia on energy security as. Uh, uh, as asking for oil is simply wrong. That's the way that we see it. And a misunderstanding of both the complexity of that issue as well as our multifaceted discussions with the Saudis. Wow. That whole thing was written down. They knew there'd be a question. Axios had the story earlier. How about that, though, uh, Rick? On your question about oil, it's this trip is to review engagement with Saudi Arabia on energy security. Review engagement. There's your action phrase there. As asking for oil is simply wrong. The way we see it, a misunderstanding, both the complexity of that issue as well as our... How do they come up with this stuff? Well, this is a lot of nothing. Um, it's pretty abundantly clear. Are we not asking for oil? <laughs> that they're trying to get past the sort of penalty box situation that they put Mohammed bin Salman in for some time. Yeah. And, and, and they're doing it under the guise of sort of smoke and mirror. But this is about incredibly bad news that the Biden administration keeps getting every week when the price of gas goes up, yes. regardless of his policies, regardless of his emergency measures, regardless of the commissions that he puts together to try and create uh, uh, less, more downward pressure. Uh, on pricing, it's not working. It's been up uh, since he launched this program, th over 35%, uh, the increase in the price of gas. So he's drowning in, in high-priced gas right now. And uh -huh. the, only, the only place he's going to get any help that, that could actually you know, benefit the consumer are with these uh, energy-rich nations as part of OPEC, which he, which he definitely doesn't want to spend time talking to him about because the last thing he wants, one, is to get a political bailout uh, from MBS, uh, mm -hmm. and two, look like he's looking past the human rights abuses that have been uh, uh, in that country. And, and, well, looks and like it, we're just, going there. he's found himself in a box. And so I think we're going to hear double speak out of this. But look, if he if he can get some progress uh, uh, in that regard, I think yeah. that it's a positive for the U.S. consumer. Saudi Arabia, Israel and Egypt apparently would be part of this arrangement, according to Axios, to increase uh, oil production. Jeannie, I have two headlines for you from Bloomberg. Here's one. Saudi Arabia is making a billion dollars from oil exports every day. Oil exports reach $30 billion in March, at least the highest in six years. Here's another one. Saudi Arabia says it's done all it can do for the oil market. The energy crisis, they say, is more complex than simply pumping more oil. So what are we doing over there? 
Uh, you know, I, I think that's why you've got these two senior advisors over there on this, you know, not so secret now trip. Reviewing and, engagement on energy security. That's, that's right. the language. And, and let's not forget, Biden once said he would make Saudi Arabia a pariah because of the killing of Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington right. Post reporter. Um, that U.S. intelligence uh, said he, uh, the prince is responsible for, which, of course, Saudi Arabia has denied. But, you know, this is where people become very, very frustrated with what they see as the hypocrisy coming out of not just this White House, but others. You know, at this point, when I heard this news, I wondered whether Jared Kushner was on this trip with potentially with the White House, because this is a White House that said it would not engage in this and yet when the heat is on in terms of oil prices they are i'm not surprised but they're gonna have to do a better job explaining it and that didn't happen today boy i don't know how you bring this one uh, forward i mean look i guess on, on on one level rick low gas prices is a win but you also have to explain in this particular case you owe the american people an explanation as to how they got lower gas prices now, look, you're not going to get this done in a vacuum, right? There is no secret. And we were realizing that they couldn't even get off the airport uh, before they were, quote, <laughs> fair, no longer fair secret. Um, so, so why don't we just make this transparent? Uh, this administration is engaging with Saudi Arabia in order to lower yeah. gas prices in advance of an election where they're losing right now. Does that and, and they're doing it with a guy who has a horrible human rights record. Take the hit. What's more important to you, the human rights record or gas prices? That's Is your that choice. true, Jeannie? People appreciate the honesty, even if it's ugly? Uh, yeah, I would appreciate the honesty, but I'll tell you, when you say that oil prices are more important than human rights and human life, it's a hard thing. It's a hard pill for a lot of us to sure swallow. Yeah. And I, I, you know, they're going to hopefully they listen to Rick. I don't think they will. I don't think we'll hear them say that. I think they will continue to obfuscate. And that's going to mm -hmm. be a problem for them as we go forward, because people are watching. And he did talk about them as a pariah on the international stage. Yeah. They horrifically killed this man. The U.S. intelligence has talked all about that. And yet we are going to engage because we don't want to pay more at the pump. I get the argument, but it's a hard pill for people to swallow. Rick and Jeannie with another great discussion. Our panel only here on Sound On. Don't you feel like if you just elected Rick and Jeannie, things probably work out pretty well, right? I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. We'll, of course, do this tomorrow. If you showed up late, subscribe to the podcast, Bloomberg Sound On. Just search for it where you get your podcasts. As we leave you with some sweeter sounds from a more gentle age. Did you hear about Ray Liotta? Ray Liotta died. 67. Henry Hill? Anybody? Reminding us to make the best of it while you're here. Will you take part in my life, oh, yes. Don't you need that my now? love, that is my dream. The fastest hour in politics will be back tomorrow Life here on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Thanks to everybody for jumping in. You make it. This Always is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.
The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Join global business leaders and investors at the Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit, returning to Singapore on July 31st. Take part in solutions-driven discussions on how to drive business value and unlock opportunity while remaining nimble in times of change and greater ESG accountability. Learn more at BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore. That's BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore.